Hey folks, you're listening to the Wait What If podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sullivan. It's been, I can't believe it's been two weeks already since the last episode I put out. Uh, it goes by fast. Life is going by faster and faster. Someone told me that the older you get, it, uh, uh, like say a week becomes a smaller fraction of your life. So it seems to go quicker, which which I guess makes sense. Like So for a 20-year-old, one week is goes half as fast as someone who's 40 because... Right? Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm talking on my ass. Makes no sense to me. Anyways, tonight we have guest Nate Thorson. Um, he's another one of these people that I find on Twitter. What's amazing about this interview type programs or interview type podcasts is that there's, I mean, I, you can get people like Hollywood directors and, and authors and, you know, I have some of those folks on. But there's also folks who, who haven't made a movie or haven't written a book yet that are just stuffed full of knowledge. And Nate falls into that category. Um, he's a creator of a, an app called Weeblin, and he's going to explain that, uh, obviously. I had him on because he has some fantastic ideas and insight on technology and the future of technology and how it's going to uh, impact our society. Everything from universal basic income, the economic singularity, artificial intelligence, driverless cars, blockchain. Um, as always, check out my website, waitwhatif.com. It's where I put everything. If I talk about it on the show, even if I don't talk about it on the show, it's over at waitwhatif.com. I've got products. I've got I've got reviews. I've got uh, my blog. I've got all past episodes and a bunch of just just go check it out. Go check it out, will ya? You're listening to the Wait What If Podcast. Are you at a library yeah. right now? I am. I'm at, the reason I'm here instead of my like my place is because my Wi-Fi is just terrible. Oh, okay. So I was like, you know, might as well take advantage. Yeah, that's so, yeah. I'm at, I'm at my university's library. Okay, so. North Dakota, yeah. man. North Dakota State University. Are you yep. Are you from up there? Yeah, I originally was born in the Chicago area, and then uh, when I was really young, so I basically yeah here my whole life. Okay. So okay, what yeah. what year are you up there? I am a second year in college, but I'll graduate next spring. Okay. So what's, getting in and out as fast as I can. <clears throat> so yeah. What's the atmosphere <laughs> around campus? Because all I know about modern college campuses is that you can't say anything. Basically, you just have to walk around with your head down and <laughs> try not to engage. You know. You know, I really think that if, if North Dakota has anything unique, it's going to be my city in particular, especially NDSU. So obviously North Dakota, very small place, very rural, very conservative. But Fargo, my, my town, um, is the biggest place in, in the state and with about a quarter million people. So it's, you know, decent sized. Uh, so you get a lot of a little bit more of that liberal perspective in there, too. So okay. on campus, it's a really weird mix because you'll get a lot of kids from small towns, farming backgrounds. Um, but then you'll get a lot of kids from the Minneapolis area too. Okay. Um, so to give you an example, uh, we really, or a lot of people on campus really want a Milo, uh, Milo the, yeah. the alt-right speaker to come <laughs> yeah. On, yeah. on campus. And, uh, we actually ended up having to cancel it because we had some security threats. So it's really wow. two-sided here. See, yeah. that that's amazing because I mean, it, despite whether you agree with the guy or not, why, I don't understand why 
uh, and I hate to say this term kids these days, but why, why they're yeah. having trouble allowing people to come in and speak? It really doesn't make sense. Um, I think it's very, it's very counterintuitive because oftentimes um, these kids will be like, hey, free speech, I can say whatever I want, but as soon as you have an opinion that makes me either seem wrong or feel in some way offended, right. then automatically uh, the person who wants to you know, speak their mind is the one in trouble. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, it is a shame. It is. Regardless I, of what you believe. I, um, I was in college at the very beginning of that. So I was in from 90, 95 to 99. And that, that was really when things started kind of getting PC and you had to watch what you were saying. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't too yeah. bad. Comedians used to go to campuses and everything. Now they can't even go to campuses. Because if you're a comedian yeah, and you say the exactly. wrong thing, you're screwed. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's probably, it's going to just have to be a big society shift to where we're just going to have to decide kind of what kind of culture are we, you know? Yeah. 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 So, um, want to give a, uh, a, a brief background. I didn't really, I just had mentioned you were a student up at, uh, North Dakota state, but, uh, maybe yeah. about your, your company and, and that sort of thing. <clears throat> sure. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start off where, uh, I guess from everything here. So as I said, I grew up in Fargo. I had three older brothers, which I do have to say um, has shaped me into the person I, I am today. I think, I think I grew up pretty fast having three brothers, um, had a really good group of friends around me going into high school. I was very involved. I really wanted to do a bunch of stuff. I started, um, co-founded a nonprofit and then, uh, implemented one into my school, a previously existing one. Uh, once I get in, got into college here, I, had a unique situation because I didn't really, I still don't believe in the university system okay. uh, in terms of it's everything really about it. But I decided, you know, while I'm here, I might as well take the, uh, take my advantage. Um, so my senior year of high school, I did start a company uh, with two good friends of mine uh, called Weblin. <clears throat> so basically what it is, is it's a social media or sorry, it's a, it's a um, mobile application that you can download right now on the iOS platform. Uh, it's going to be coming soon on Android once we get all the coding done because you have to code them separately. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but it is an application that is meant to show you all of the things that are happening in your area, specifically based on your interest. So kind of the two sides of the benefits are as a user, all of a sudden you're able to see everything happening around you. And the reason why we decided to start in here in Fargo is because with a quarter million people, there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of things going on, mm -hmm. but people are incredibly bored here. Um, which has caused a lot of different things. We're one of the biggest binge drinking states in the country. Um, <laughs> we have a really bad heroin epidemic going through. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's across the country yeah. now. It's pretty scary. Yeah, it is, and and we're not we're not exempt from it. Um, so that's kind of the reason why, as from a user standpoint, you're able to just see a lot of things happening in your area, um, good things happening, and then as a business, you're able to communicate directly to your target market. So. Um, let's say that you want to create an event, you would set it to a certain parameters of how far you want a direct no notification to be sent out. Mm -hmm. So a certain radius, um, which communicates directly with the target market. And then once you can, um, <clears throat> sort it by interests, then you, uh, just go right to your target market and not have to, you know, waste a bunch of money. <clears throat> and then we're doing a bunch of really cool stuff with, uh, cryptocurrency, which we might get into later on. So, cool. so, so yeah. it's kind of, and I think I had mentioned in my email to you, um, it, it's like these 
So artificial intelligence is coming on on a daily basis, a little bit here, a little bit there. Yep. And even something like this, because what it's do, it, it's intelligent and it's <clears throat> basically, um, I don't know what you would call it, dragging the the different, like normally if I wanted to find out what to do, I would go on like here, I'm in Raleigh. So we look at WRAL and check what's going on there. And then I'd check something else. Sure. And then I'd maybe call or text friends, anything going <laughs> on. That's how we find stuff. But this is, this is doing it for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we want... As a company and as you know, part of the new generation, we understand uh, we understand where technology is going, mm-hmm. and technology has been over the last decade has been consuming our lives so much. Um, yeah. You know, where people are getting literally like gaining depression by yeah. how much they stare at their phone screen, just scrolling through mindless garbage looking for something yeah. to entertain them. Uh, whereas Weblin is, you know, bringing the it's, it's interacting with you rather than, you know, constantly calling your attention. Yeah. We, so. um, we went to, me and my wife went to Joe Rogan last weekend. And, uh, Did you? Nice. Yeah. And what you do when you went into the, the um, uh, whatever you want to call it, the theater, is they had these bags that had a magnetic clip on the top that you couldn't open. And everyone had to put their smartphones and their watches, really? their smart watches into the bag. <clears throat> and everyone was pissed. Like people wow. were just so angry and you came in and, <laughs> and then, and then me and my wife were noticing we're sitting and everyone's sitting around just talking with each other, like just talking. No, nobody's looking down at their phones. It was a room full of like, I don't know, two or 3000 people yeah, just talking. And as if it was like 20 years ago, it was See, amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, and that's the way technology is going. And in Weblin's case, that's exactly what Weblin um, is you know, trying to do is bringing people in the same place, interested in the same things um, that will want to interact with one another. Yeah, ironically so, through through uh, technology. <laughs> through technology, exactly. Yeah. Hey, it's um, got to help us sometime, right? That's right. Uh, so you did this very young, and I was uh, talking today. I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Bell. He wrote, uh, well, he directs a lot of different movies, but he did um, his famous movie was Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Uh, or is it bigger, okay. stronger, faster? I can't remember. It's on Netflix. Check it out. But we were sure. talking today because because um, he was talking about my my podcast, and I was talking about his his movies, and we were saying, what is it? What is it about doers versus people who just exist? You know, the people like when I go to yeah. bed at night, I don't worry about the world ending. <laughs> I don't worry about uh, bills. I don't worry about that stuff. I mean, I suppose I could, but I don't. I just try to think what I can make next. What can I do? Like tomorrow, yeah. should I do this? Should I do that? And sometimes it means you, you, you overextend yourself and some things mm-hmm. fail, but it also means you're creating opportunity and some of those things succeed. And when you succeed, people who don't create, I don't think understand this, but <coughs> if you're trying to get out there and create something every day, whether it's a podcast or an app or you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you're writing a chapter in a book, if you get up and you crush that task for that day and you do really good at it, there's a feeling that that is like no other. That I guess maybe someone might get it like once or twice in a lifetime, but if you can push to get that every day, it's it's a really, really cool feeling. Where, yeah. where, where do you think that comes from? Honestly, it really, I think it comes down from something a little bit deeper. Uh, where some, I don't know if it's existential, just the belief that, you know, life needs you need to fill your life with something of importance in order to, you know, feel like you've lived a good life. And um, I really think it comes down to understanding that your days are numbered 
and that you really have no idea uh, what's going to happen next. So it might be kind of cheesy, but living in the moment and deciding that, you know what? Life is way too short to not be fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's way too short to say, to get to your end of your life and say, wow, I did not do anything. And that is a very scary thing. And I think that should be a scary thing for everybody. Yeah, Um, man. Uh, I'll tell you, I feel like it was just yesterday I was in your shoes and now I'm 40 and I have two kids and a mortgage and (laughs) it does go by fast. Um, but then again, at some point, it hits you that, uh, I think it's called mindfulness. Like, as you start to enjoy mm-hmm. things, and if you stop worrying about everything that's around you, when you're in the moment and you're enjoying something, time actually slows down quite a bit. I remember yeah. when, my, when my children were young, um, well, they're young now, but when they were babies, I used to think mm-hmm. about all the people that would tell me, oh, they grow up so fast, oh, it's horrible, they grow up so fast, and I would sit there and I would rock them to sleep. And I would just think about the exact moment, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be in this moment. And it felt like it last, lasted forever. And now that they're a little bit older, yeah, I miss them as babies, but I still, I still have that, you know, it's fleeting, yeah. but that's kind of life. And I have that yeah. versus, you know, I, I don't know, staring at my phone and watching whatever the next Netflix thing is. Exactly. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you're not going to remember every, you know, breaking bad episode that you ever watched, but you might remember the last the 30 minutes you spent with somebody that you really care about yeah. and just how much bigger of an implication that has on your life than, you know, sitting on the couch and, you know, just live, just existing. Yeah. So did you, yeah, were, I, your, were your parents, uh, uh, were they motivations or was it really your brothers? What was it too that? Honestly, it was probably my brothers because part of me thinks that, uh, you know, as being the youngest, um, my oldest brother's, eight years older than me. Um, and he has a family and two kids, uh, with another on the way. My second oldest brother has a wife and, um, and a daughter. Um, just my three brothers are all so different and I feel like they all played into me so well or in so much that I got a lot of encouragement from all of them. Um, and I decided that I want to do something just as cool as they're doing. That's cool. So, yeah. And I think it, it probably comes down to, yeah, just being motivated. I think it's part of that, you know, brotherly competitiveness is probably part of it too yeah um but yeah i would say definitely my my brothers really pushed me to you know do something great i'm gonna have you i'm gonna put you on the spot um do you think that so there's always a disconnect between the young generation and the middle generation and the old generation uh and, and we seem to always blame you know oh god kids these days do you do you find that it's a rarity or do you are you around a lot of motivated people I really think it depends on just who you who you associate yourself with. Yes, I think that there are a lot of people in my generation that are living the millennial or the Generation Z right. um, stereotypes, where it's you know they grew up in seventh grade just playing Call of Duty and drinking Mountain Dew, and they're just kind of doing the same thing now. Um, and I think that there is that type of mentality for some people, but really, I think that this generation is starting to wake up. And they're starting to realize that um, the world is, the universe is their playground. And they're, um, with, you know, the advancement in technology and the advancement in our society and everything, I think people are just starting to realize the true potential that their lives have, that they have. Um, And cultural leaders, especially my generation, are doing the exact same thing. Uh, People like like Logic, uh, like hip-hop Logic and and Jaden Smith, 
they're all talking about really exciting things and they're really motivating our generation or my generation to um, do something fantastic, really pursuing the arts and uh, thoughtful thinking and uh, just making an impact on the world. Where so this will be an interesting question. I never thought about asking uh, someone who's in college right now. But when I when I grew up, so I grew up really the the first years I, I can remember was in the eighties and the nineties, and and technology was really kind of I don't know not great <laughs> during those days. I mean, we had uh, right yeah eight bit or sixteen bit Nintendo whatever it was right. We didn't have a lot of cool technology right. Yep. But as we became adults, yeah. we we really began to appreciate it. Like when I was in college, I remember the first time I used the internet, which I'm sure you grew up mm. just knowing the internet. <laughs> so, so for me and my generation, and especially so for my dad's generation, when we try to picture the future, we look back over the last 30 years and we say, okay, look how much changed in the last 30 years. I expect the same thing to happen in the next 30 years. Or in my dad's <clears throat> standpoint, you know, in the last 50 years, this is how much technology has changed. So I expect 50 years to see the same types of changing or changes. Considering that, that technology expands exponentially, where, mm-hmm. like, where is your foresight as a young person? In, like, are you looking five years down the line and thinking, holy shit, what's going to pop up in five years? What's going to pop Or, or <clears throat> kind of explain that to me. You know, at the end of the day, it's kind of hard not to think of the very short-term, short-sighted things like, wow, five years from now, this might be happening. That's going to be amazing. And it's almost like you think that technology can't get any better. Um, And obviously, you know, down the line, it's going to be insane. I think us as just humans want, especially with something that moves so fast or like technology, we just want to view it in the very short term. And it's honestly hard to comprehend what it's going to be like in 60 years. Um, right. I think 60 years is too far to even consider nowadays. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Like by that time, I'll be 80. I'll likely probably have another 40 or 50 years of my life. Yeah. Um, and it's just going to be, it's going to be impossible to, it's going to be impossible to imagine. It's funny how you say the 40 or 50 years in your life. What I, what I find amazing about as, uh, so, you know, they call the internet the information superhighway, and it, it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense because, uh, um, so like we talk about how much longer we're going to live in the future, and I feel like the big push, at least in health and fitness, is to look to the past, right? So for the longest time, yeah. information there was information gatekeepers, people that went to college, people that studied phys- physiology, people that studied human biology, and, mm-hmm. and, and it was up to them to teach us or for us to go out and read a giant book on it. But now that information yeah. is available to everyone, it seems like, uh, uh, we'll call it a health meme of something like going paleo or ketosis or... Yeah. Um, high imp- or what do you call it? Uh, high intensity, whatever. All these different things that are really healthy for people are seem to be spread yeah. a lot quicker. And as a, yeah. I'm a healthcare <clears throat> provider, and I think it's cool that I have all these folks coming in there like, no, I do keto, I do paleo, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's which is kind of ironic, but I think that's where we're going to see health advances in the future. Not because, I mean, of course, because of the new technologies, but also yeah. because people can learn and they can actually educate themselves almost to the point yeah. of having a degree in in nutrition yet never going to school. Exactly, and I, I think there's a lot of things you can pick from what you just said, um, whether it's you know how 
honestly pointless college is becoming and how much information all all humans have at their at their fingertips but i think that honestly kind of goes back to you know the generational mindset that's shifting i mean i feel like my generation is kind of doing a lot of what you just said in store millennials Mm -hmm. and i think that it's just a societal shift i generally think that um us as a, as a society is going to get better in, in every way, in technology, in probably our ethics, in, um, you know, stuff like this. And I really think that it's just kind of the next step for humanity. Uh, just like, like you said, mindfulness um, and, you know, getting back to your core uh, with fitness, with your emotion, with your spiritual life and everything. So you say that you think college is going to be useless at some point. Is it because? I do, yeah. Is it because we're going to be? <clears throat> how do you think that? Well, there's a bunch of stuff that goes into it. Um, I think the first thing that is going to be kind of the catalyst for it is the fact that people are going to see the economic pains of it. Um, I, it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. I think I looked at a figure just the other day that said in 18 years, the price of college should be $100,000 a year, which is just insane. Um, So I think, number one, people are going to start seeing the the negative effects of going to college. It it will become economically a bad decision. Um, Two, I really think it comes down to the fact that all of us have so much information at our fingertips. I mean, I'm looking at a library right now that has thousands and thousands and thousands of books that don't even come close to the amount of information that's on the internet. Sure. Um, And I think that's part of it too, that people are going to just be able to start seeing, just start self-educating. Websites like Skillshare are already doing that, where you can pretty much become an expert in any course in half the time that it would take you at college. Um, And, you know, stuff like that, you know, the, the, the change in technology and everything, um, and I also think it's going to be kind of a changing economy that as especially people stop going to college, I think people are going to start realizing that education needs to start falling on the employers. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like trade schools are going to be much more effective than your, than your old four year degree, taking a bunch of generals like sociology and a bunch of th- stuff that probably isn't applicable to what you're doing. Um, and I think there's a, yeah, all those factors I think are going to go into it. Yeah. When I was, when I graduated, uh, I was short like one or two credits. And so I needed to take, I needed to take a course and I just flipped through the, the, um, catalog and I found puppetry. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. And I took a summer Uh, course that was like three weeks long on puppetry (laughs) and that, those three credits or two credits, whatever it was, was the line between me having that piece of paper and not having that piece of paper. See, it doesn't make sense. No, it really know? doesn't. And it, I, and it I really didn't, doesn't. I never did anything with it. I got my undergrad yeah. because I thought that's what I had to do. You know, I'm, I <laughs> yeah. was 18. I have to go sit in class right now. Uh, and all it was really was four years of uh, partying. Uh, I didn't really, yeah. I, that's all I did. I mean, cause I, I, I definitely wasn't motivated as a, as, as a kid, totally different sure. in my adult years. So I think, I mean, the only, to be completely honest, the only reason I am at college is a few things. One, I'm fortunate enough to not have to pay for it um, through financial aid and stuff. Okay. Um, and, I, and I won't have to take out any student loans, so scholarships and grants and things like that, uh, which is definitely nice. And honestly, I saw some potential at school that I realized that I could tap into. For example, Weblin, 
Um, our target market is a lot, mostly college students and people that are really involved in the community. And being here has made me build a lot of connections and a lot of um, good, you know, business knowledge, uh, not necessarily learned in the classroom, yeah. but uh, just stuff that I've done while I've been here. And to be completely honest, um, the actual academic side of, uh, of college has gone down on the totem pole for of importance for me, for okay. sure. Yeah. What, um, so I had, uh, Callum Chase on, he, he wrote a book called, uh, gosh, the economic, ah, I can't remember what it's called. It might've been the economic singularity. Uh, I'll have to oh, take yeah. a look. Uh, I, I I'm going to, sorry, Callum, I can't remember the name of the book, but, um, basically he was getting at at some point, our economy is going to crash in a way that we're going to have so many people unemployed due to technology. What type of yeah. foresight? What type of foresight do, do, does your generation have on that? I mean, is that something they're talking about in school, saying, "Hey, the economy is not just over the next ten years going to slightly change, or twenty years, or thirty years. It is going to drastically be altered by artificial intelligence." Yeah. Um, no, which is we are not talking about it at all, which is terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I really think that nobody really knows what they're getting into. Um, nobody really fully understands, and I certainly don't, I fully don't understand the full scope of how this is all going to boil down and how it's going to happen and how many people are going to be affected. It's way too, it's kind of still too early to really see that. Um, but I guess the one thing you have to realize is that, you know, the high school education system and the higher education is oftentimes a work of, you know, government intervention and, and updating curriculum. And you yeah. know how slow that is. Yeah. And that's, um, that's scary because if you're stuck, it is. if you're stuck in the, really in the 2010s, even that yeah. is, is antiquated compared to what we're expecting. I mean, look at, um, I'm having a guy on next week that's going to talk about uh, Watson and Watson's role in, in medicine. And yeah. he's he's talking about how, at some point there'll be kiosks and that will be your doctor and it'll be able to 3d print uh, like a split yeah. for your arm if you and that and i'm a pa but it, it, i mean i thought that i was protected from the economic singularity and i don't think i'm gonna yeah. be no i mean i was just watching you know watching a bunch of stuff on the advancements in medical technology i mean you're right watson although he's pretty good at you know beating people on jeopardy his main day job is doing cancer research and updating wow. uh, and working with that. It's absolutely insane for, for lung cancer. Um, and when you think about what these bots can do, you can have all of these bots keep up with every single piece of um, every single piece of medical research that comes out and they can know it instantly. Yeah. Uh, they're available anywhere. You could download an app with infinite information, uh, they know every drug and how it interacts with every other drug. It's just the amount of information that is unknowable by a person and Watson's already working on it. Yeah. And that technology is getting kind of old mm -hmm. um, and it's not even the newest thing out there. And there's machines out here that are learning so quickly. Um, I don't know if you heard about, I think it was Facebook when they had a program that 
started to develop its own language yeah, yeah. Uh, because it was mostly, it was the most logical thing it could do. And they were talking um, to each other, and, right? It you was, know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the sky's the limit with, with this stuff. So, so um, for the, every career that, that was freaky for the listeners. It was, um, they were working on some sort of artificial intelligence and they, they, it was two, it was two computers. We'll say it was two entities that, mm-hmm. and they started talking to each other and the yeah. scientists are like, what the hell are these things doing? <laughs> and it freaked them out. And so they pulled the plug on it. Yeah. Thank goodness. I'm, uh, the beginnings of the Terminator right there. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, the, the implications into where AI is going is absolutely insane. Uh, there's even me as like, I'm, I would like to do marketing um, and my position in Webland is marketing. Um, even I'm definitely not safe. Um, a lot of, you know, a computer program can analyze a lot of demographic data a lot better and more accurately and quicker than I can wow. and come up with a solution of how to reach your target market and everything. Um, so, yeah, you're right. No profession um, is really safe. It's going it, to be strange. And he uh, he said, or he was a big proponent of universal basic income, that at some point yeah. there's going to be so many people that are just unemployable that we're going to have to have something like that. Otherwise, it'll be an economic catastrophe, which is so yeah, weird. Absolutely. Do you do you watch? Um, I think it was. Uh, I want to say it was Black Mirror, but it might have been. There's a new one out called Electric Dreams. Uh, I, I can't remember okay. which one it is, but it's a dystopian future type of show. This one's on Amazon, yep. I think. I believe it was this one, uh, the the Electric Dreams. But it's these these holdouts. In certain vill- so it's basically let's say it's a couple hundred years in the future. AI has run amok, and people are mm-hmm. are now the um, minority. They're like stuck in these little villages, and yep. and this factory. So p- picture it like Amazon has uh, robots working for it, and the factory is just churning out and churning out and churning out products. And these little drones are yep. driving out and. and delivering them to the people and they're like we don't need this shit anymore we don't yeah. have anything we're, they're like wearing rags and they're but still here comes the drones dropping off like just garbage uh i can't i think it was called electric dreams um and it's one of the episodes in there but uh it, it was really fascinating to think about because yeah what do we do all right we we streamline everything to the point where everything's done for us and we have unlimited resources well uh, unlimited resources in the in the form of products what good is it if we can't if we can't buy it or if humans aren't employed yeah i mean it is kind of insane that to think that a ubi is maybe the most logical solution um i think there's it's complicated because there's a lot of definitions of what a ubi is going to be and what's what really its role is going to play but i mean this actually really um isn't the the first time it's happening. I think that the best UBI is actually explained by a video uh, by the YouTube channel called Kyrgyzstad. And if the listeners haven't heard of it, they should definitely go watch it. Super interesting. Um, But Kyrgyzstad, what they kind of told us is that the best way to do it is actually what the ancient Romans did way, way, way back um, to where at one point uh, slaves began to put um, workers out of work. So people had an an insane uh, unemployment rate 
And what they did, and it still would stand up to the economics today, is where that the government would get most of the tax income from the very rich or um, all the businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and this would be called the BAI, and they would, that's like basically saying how much artificial intelligence do you have in your business? Based on that, this is how much you get taxed. Um, because you know they're cutting down on labor costs, they can afford to pay more taxes. All right, um, yeah. And then that's pretty much the only way to fix the cycle of the economy um, is going to be to basically get all the taxes from the businesses, hand those back over to people, and that would be their UBI. Which is which is so strange. And I I kind of was I was pushing against uh, Callum when he was explaining this, but then. Or maybe it was. There's another guy uh, named Scott Santons. Man, I wish I reviewed my stuff before uh, we, I, before we got so much into <laughs> AI. But Scott Santons, S A N T E N S, he's a big proponent of uh, of universal basic income. And I came at it yeah. like I came at it using you know w- my my mindset as you know libertarian. Why are we paying? You know, it, almost like it would be a, a giant government handout. But he said, no, 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 no. You got to look at it a different way. You got to look at it as as a libertarian sort of thing. You know, the government's not going to take care of you. You can't mm-hmm. employ yourself; it's impossible. So here's here's your share. Do with it what you want. You know exactly. And I was yep. like, hey, you know, I never really thought of it that way. Yeah, and it, this actually was um, done before, and this was explained in the Krugerstadt video as well. That um, in Canada, they did a they did an experiment with this where they gave a UBI to this kind of small little town in Canada back in the 70s, and only about 1% of the people stopped going to work. Um, And the rest of the people usually only reduced their working hours by about 10% a week, which is insane to think that with UBI, it is a basic, um, basically poverty floor rather than um, oftentimes what happens is welfare will become a ceiling that it's impossible to get past. But this would be a poverty floor that keeps people afloat. Um, but working still is always an economic advantage. Yeah. Um, if you do find jobs and if you can do it, then it is still always going to be more economically advantageous for you. Um, and I think that, I mean, the numbers show that people still value working. And if they can work, they will. So I, I, think, uh, I think the economy... <clears throat> I mean, it, it does take a little thinking, you know, you got to think about it and then kind of and research on, on everybody's part. But I think the economy has to, yeah. has to just fall apart before you would get widespread acceptance, you know, for, before people would sit down and say, I agree. Oh man, we got to do something. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that fall might be coming very soon. Um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people that think that the economy is going to collapse in the next three years, but um, in, in terms of AI and everything, I do think that there's going to be a point in time where a lot of people are going to be employed or unemployed because mm-hmm. of AI. And the reason why, and there won't be a UBI for a certain amount of time, X amount of time. And the reason why is just because the government is going to be way too slow to do anything about it. Okay. Let's be honest, the government's always 20 years behind. So we might have a really bad economic recession where AI puts an insane amount of people out of work and the government doesn't wake up um to do anything for maybe 10 years yeah and it could be it could be very potentially very bad and i think we just have to be really ready for it what do you think there's any career out there that could be uh resilient to this that won't get affected i can't think of one every time i try to think of one i'm like oh no i guess there i mean 
Kind of, kind of not. I mean, people like artists, poets, people like that, they could still be around, but at the end of the day, AI can do that too. Sure. Um, so I really think it's going to come down to what do we as a society value as a human skill that we are willing to pay for? Yeah. Something that we say, we want a human to do this for us and we are willing to pay for that. And honestly, that might be in the arts. My, so music, poetry, philosophy, things like that. I was talking to my father-in-law about this and I said, I said, um, you know, artificial intelligence and robotics are going to eventually be the things that are cutting you open and, and, and working on you. He yeah. was like, never, never. I would always want a person to do that. And I was like, well, <laughs> think about this for a minute. Let's say you have a, a, a surgeon that's got 30 or 40 years. All right, so he's got 30 or 40 years of experience. Well, that means he's probably 65. So now you have a 65-year-old guy who has yep. a life. And we all know what happens in life. You have stressors. You have this, that, the other thing. You have low blood sugar. You have high blood yeah. sugar. You have uh, lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have maybe you have a tremor. Maybe you have a slight tremor. Maybe you have epilepsy. Who knows? But he takes all his skill, and he's done this so many times, but there's still a margin of error. And let's say maybe it's one in, out of every hundred of his surgeries has a major complication. Okay, maybe that's yeah. within standard. But now you take a robot that has this, not just steady hands, the most steady hands you could possibly have with yeah. a litany of medical experience. I mean, basically all the medical experience that can be programmed into this thing and downloaded um, from other robots doing the same surgery at different locations, right? They're all talking to each other, just like um, driverless cars. What people don't understand about driverless cars is that if a driverless car does something s dumb, like pulls out a little too soon, it calculates, it realizes what it did, and then it shares that information with every other car in the network. So every yeah. car learns from yep. the mistake. So now you have this machine that's yeah. going to cut into you, and and basically, it, it, and I just basically came down to now, let's say it's one in a thousand complications or one in a million. Like, why would you mm -hmm. choose the human? Even as me, someone in medicine, yeah. I would choose the robot. <clears throat> and I think it has a ways to go, but it's definitely going to happen in uh, in both of our lifetimes, sure, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think that there is going to be, I mean, again, it's going to be like anything. Um, as technology goes up, you're going to have to have people that um, are going to be willing to do that type of thing. And it might not be 30, 40 years until people are willing to, you know, get cut open by a machine. So, yeah. And I think driverless cars is something interesting too, where I think that the best solution for driverless cars to succeed in the market is if everybody has one. Yeah. That is going to be the way that the consumer confidence is going to be the highest. And because if you have all of these cars that are all working together all the time, there is a 0% likelihood unless a tree falls on the road. Yeah. Even that can be solved. Um, but, you know, these driverless cars are going, if they all communicate with one another, you're absolutely right that the that the accident rate is going to be next to nothing. I can't wait. I mean, it's coming up, I think this year... I, uh, was it GM or some, there's some, one of the companies wants to have them out this year at certain areas, you know, like uh, d taxi cabs and whatever. yeah. And then over the next five yeah, years, that, we're that is... start seeing them come on. And then uh, I, I'm, what I pray for yeah. is that my kids who are three and four right now, when they're driving, w won't be driving. If that could happen, I would be the happiest man alive. Cause that's the one thing. I mean, every day when I yeah. drive to work, think yeah. about it, you know, when we see something every day, right. When, when we experience something every day, uh, just because it's part of our perspective and we see it so much that it stops becoming weird. 
But if you look at it from like an alien techno or an alien race to look down on these humans and say, all right, these little pink monkeys strap themselves to five tons or not even uh, two and a half tons of steel and, and, and they cause little explosions to propel themselves forward at high rates of speed while passing each other on the road by about two or three feet. That's freaking insane. Yeah. (laughs) Driving is the most, I think that (laughs) doing that type, I mean, pulling back from the entire world, really everything is strange. Um, I don't know if you've uh, ever read the book. It's called The Stranger. It was originally written in French, but uh, it was about uh, it was written by a philosopher Albert Camus. Um, and the whole and um, what his epiphany was just how insanely strange the world is, and how that changes your mindset. Um, and realizing that everything is just so insane makes you change your complete view on your life. And I think that's that's part of it. I mean, you can look at it in the cars, you can look at it in the, in every I know. everything in life. I always I always creep my wife out. Like I, yeah, I was sitting in the car the other day, and I I just noticed the sun. My arm was getting hot, and I was like, "Do you realize how weird it is that there is a n- nuclear ball of fire?" That is heating me up right now. I'm like, do you realize how weird that is? She's like, shut up. I'm like, no, man, that's it's weird. <laughs> and it is, th- and that we have a rock that flies insane. around at night, <laughs> and we look at that rock, and we're like, whoa, look. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. When you look at your world, if you try to, if you try to just remove yourself from it and appreciate it, there's a lot of amazing things out there. And just understanding how small, and in a lot of ways, how insignificant you and everybody else is. Yeah. Um, the fact that we are just a tiny little speck in a solar system, in a local group, in a cluster, in a supercluster, um, which is just one of millions of superclusters that will never interact with one another, it is absolutely nuts. And I think that it puts a lot of fear in some people's eyes, but or in some people's minds, but it also is extremely liberating um, to understand just how insignificant almost some how insignificant and how small life is there's a there's a it's great really interesting there's a great meme out there um and it shows the earth <laughs> and then the earth it backs out and you show the earth and the galaxy and then it backs out and the galaxy uh in the well, you know it just keeps going out and out and out yeah. and out and it gets you know you're just watching it get very 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 small and at the very end you see the entire universe and jesus standing over it saying don't masturbate <laughs> uh, I mean, you've heard of Elon Musk's uh, simulation theory. Yeah, yeah. That we there's, I think he calculated it out that there's a one third chance that we are literally inside a computer program, right? Now. Yeah, then, it's nuts. It's. I like to I like to think about that stuff and see how how freaked out I can get. But then I realize in the end, it it, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't. Yeah, you're this is your reality and it's what it is. I mean, I listened to the, one of the latest Joe Rogan podcasts had uh, Michael Shermer on and he just wrote a book about afterlife and why people think of their afterlife and all that. And, and it's fun to think about, but sometimes, you know, when you really think about it, you really think about it. Sometimes I just sit there and I go, do you know what? It looks, it's looking to me like once it's over, that's it lights out. And, and it's not going to be horrible because yeah. you're not going to know it. It doesn't matter. You're not going to know it. But that's what it all seems to point to. And it's like, God damn it. Throw some magic <laughs> actually, our way. There's there's actually, uh, I mean, a lot of existential philosophers, um, 
Sartre and a, and a bunch of others, Sartre being one of the most namely ones, um, uh, existentialists, they kind of said the same thing, where the world is absolutely insane. Your life might not have any inherent value. Once you die, it's over. But um, that can be incredibly liberating. There's this, uh, there's this philosophy out there called optimistic nihilism, and it's the same type of philosophy that Bojack Horseman, another show, and Rick and Morty both go off of, is that you understand that life, in, in your perspective, life is very short. In some ways, it almost has no value. But what that does is it makes you realize that your universe is a playground. And to waste what you have in, in a very short, kind of meaningless life uh, is a shame. So you should you know, basically just take life by the horns, take the universe by the horns. It's your playground. And once you realize that life is worthless and life is um, life is just meaningless in some ways, then it really makes you think of um, you know just you might as well live life to its fullest. Yeah, you know? uh, have you ever read Fight Club or watched the movie? I haven't. I, oh my gosh, I, that's one of those classics that I never have. It uh, the be- it's by. Um Gosh, I can't even think of the author's name now, and he was one of my favorite authors. Uh, despite, there's the famous line in there, uh, that basically the idea, the premise is, until you know that you're going to die, you're useless, right? If, yeah. if you walk yeah. around life not knowing that you're going to die, then you're useless. You don't have, but once you realize that, there's a part of the movie, and I, I believe it's in the book now, I haven't read or watched that in about 10 years, but he takes, um, he takes a... Uh, uh, gas station employee out back and robs him and he puts a gun to his head and he says you're gonna die right now and the guy's freaking out and he said what is it that you wanted to be in life and he's like i wanted to be a veterinarian well why didn't you do it uh it took too much school too much whatever and then he he i think he pulls the trigger and it's not loaded and then he said he takes his license oh yeah <laughs> he takes his license and he says i'm gonna follow up you in six months and if you're not in vet school i'm gonna kill you and then the guy runs off just down the road wow uh <laughs> i guess that's one way to motivate you people i guess <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah it's it is it is uh nuts to just understand how liberating it is um to just go for it you sure. know all right man yeah. uh great conversation you're you're ahead of your time keep your um keep your enthusiasm for learning and and uh at least being ahead of your peers uh because it's it's going to take you places where <laughs> where can folks uh find you on or what's your your twitter handle if you want to give it out some people don't sure don't uh yeah no my twitter handle is something let me pull it up here <laughs> real quick honestly can't remember uh uh, honestly, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, you can do that. Uh, it's just Nathaniel Thorson okay. um, is that. And my Twitter handle is at Thorson underscore Nate. Thorson, T-H-O-R-E-S-O-N. And then you're, so, can, you can yeah. find your app on iOS, and it's W-E-B-B-L-E-N. Yep. W-E-B-B-L-E-N. And some really cool stuff coming up with cryptocurrencies. Uh, to basically, I'll make it very short. Oh, yeah. Basically, we, for, we're, we never got into that, but... <laughs> That's what that's, happens that's with this okay. show. The show we just go off, yeah. and then an hour passes by. Well, well, let me uh, in a one-liner. Basically, we are going to start uh, using blockchain technology uh, stemmed off of the Steemit blockchain 
where people are going to start making money by going to events and being involved in their community. So now there will be money in volunteering. There will be money in partying. <laughs> there will be money in throwing parties. That's cool. Um, and everybody's going to get rich. So if you want to download it right now, uh, we're starting off in Fargo, but if you're on the East Coast and you still want to download it, we're having a founders program that's going to end soon. And uh, hopefully it'll be coming to a community near you All right. sometime soon. Hey, I'm going to have you back on so, because I yeah. want to talk about cryptocurrency and blockchain because I, I've read through blockchain and I'm like, I don't know what the hell this is going to do for me. But apparently it's, as big <laughs> as, apparently it's as big as the internet. That's what they tell me. It's as that big of a game changer. It is going to change everything. And I am incredibly excited. And if you aren't involved yet, you it's, it's you haven't missed the train. Only 2% of the population is involved in cryptocurrencies. So there's a lot of ways to go. All right. So now, well, well, get in now. I promise you, uh, I want you back on. I want to talk about that. I totally, I have my notes here. I Sounds never even good. made it down there. All Don't right. Don't worry about it. It's all good. All right. Well, thanks, Nate. Thanks for being on. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Have a good night. Bye. Like us on Facebook.com slash WWI Podcast and at WWI Podcast on Twitter. Drop us a line at WaitsWhatIfPodcast at Yahoo.com. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Internet Radio. your listening experience. Now go forth and expand your reality.